I uh, was once asked in another church uh, why we have such an emphasis on missions when there's so much need in our own backyard. Um, shouldn't we seek to reach Australia first? At the end of the month, as Trudy said, we'll be inviting you to give generously, frankly, to our missions partners, um, and some of them operate overseas. And I have to admit, as our offerings are below what we really need at the moment, uh, I've had to wrestle a little bit with this. Uh, we're giving away, I hope, a substantial sum of money. Uh, shouldn't we be focusing on our own needs and building up our own offering as well, instead of telling you to give it to other people? Why this outward focus? And the answer is in a large part in the words of Jesus that we're going to read today from Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Why don't we read from verse 16 uh, to 20. Matthew 28, verse 16. The eleven disciples travelled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the reason we're giving to missions and talking about missions is because Jesus said to go. Of course, there's not actually a real tension in our going between local and overseas missions. Um, in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which was home in their context, in Judea, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So our going encompasses both the local and the global and everything in between. And in fact, the reality is that a heavy part of our missions budget is for local missions. But it's not just the command that I want to look at this morning. It's not, hey, you need to go, you need to do these things. But I want to look at the, the promise uh, and the power of God and the exciting vision that it, 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 this encompasses in these words today. Jesus' resurrection changed everything. One of those things was the full revelation of his nature and his authority. So in these verses he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, this authority in itself wasn't really something new for Jesus. Jesus had operated in authority throughout his ministry on earth. Uh, he had command over nature, he calmed the waves, he, he drove out demons, he raised the dead, and he forgave sins. Which makes sense, he was God in human flesh. But now, this side of the cross, he has defeated sin and death permanently. And he isn't just a revived corpse like Lazarus or the, the widow of Nain's son. Now he is a resurrected body, a resurrected person. He is something new, something different, and something that foretells what is coming for all of us. And so now the sphere of Jesus' ministry as 
Messiah as God. He had always had authority over the universe, but as Messiah, as God-man, his authority had been limited. Now that extends all over heaven and earth as well. So he operates in this authority not only on earth, but in the whole universe. Jesus is king of the universe, which raises interesting questions, speculative questions people have. If we found intelligent life on other planets, what does that do? I don't know. We'd have to talk to them and see what their theology was. I don't think that'll ever happen because of scientific limits, if nothing else. But anyway, that's completely off track. The point is that now Jesus sends out his disciples in this authority that he has, and that he has authority, if you like, to give them. Now, there's a thing here, whenever we see Jesus command his disciples, it's something we need to take personally, unless it's very specific to their calling as the twelve. But in this case, in verse 20, he says to them, teaching them to observe or to obey everything I have commanded you. So everything that Jesus told the twelve, he tells them now to confer onto the next generation and that generation on the next generation and all the way down to us in 2022. When Jesus commissioned the eleven disciples, he commissioned the church. He commissioned you and me to go and make disciples. Jesus said all authority has been given to him, therefore go. All authority. Now, this word authority has the idea of both the right and the power to rule. So we're watching, tragically, a war unfold in Ukraine. And Vladimir Putin is trying to assert his power to rule over Ukraine, even though almost, not quite, but almost no one thinks, no other world leaders think that he actually has the right to do it. He might end up having the power to do that. A lot of people are still saying it's not likely Ukraine can prevail. And if Vladimir Putin does, then he has the power to rule in Ukraine. But world leaders are saying that doesn't give him the right. The right to rule would remain with the democratically elected government of Ukraine, even though they may not have the power to do so. But in Jesus, we see both the right and the power come together in his authority. Jesus has the right to rule and he has the power to rule by virtue of his resurrection, his conquest over even death. Now, Jesus, the scope of his authority is universal. He has all authority. He has authority over earthly governments. He has authority over you and me. But that authority is not political and is not worldly, at least not yet. One day we believe it will be, but not in this age. But it is nevertheless an authority that he confers onto us, not an authority to rule on the earth on his behalf, even though uh, uh, some Christians have that theology. But it is authority 
the right, and dare I say by the Holy Spirit, the power to represent Jesus and his kingdom and advance his kingdom on the earth. And so this is the work to make disciples of all nations, to, to make people who follow Jesus, his example and his teachings. And we need to think about how big this is. You know, Jesus in John said that we would do even greater things than he did. And I wonder if this is part of it, because in Matthew fifteen twenty four, Jesus said his mission was only to the lost sheep of Israel. And in Matthew ten six, he sends his disciples only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, this is in Matthew. So for Matthew now to come and say and highlight this, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Matthew is making a big statement here. He wants us to see this. And so now Jesus' cosmic mission means that this ministry is extended to all people everywhere. We know from other parts of the Bible to the whole of creation, the whole of the universe, although that's a bit beyond our scope. And Jesus wants his kingdom populated not only by Jews, but by people of every tribe and nation and language on earth, Jew and Gentile. And this, this work of creation is a work of creating a new culture. And we talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, so some of you have, probably a lot of you this morning, have migrated to Australia at one stage or another and uh, and whenever someone migrates from one country to another there's always a, a little bit of tension there um, and perhaps it's a tension many of you here have felt on the one hand in Australia we celebrate diversity uh, we we love everything that uh, people of other cultures bring but on the other hand there's only so much diversity that any society can handle before it starts to fragment. So an obvious one is we need a common language or else we can't communicate. Christianity is meant to be a superculture that binds all our various cultures together in Jesus. And it's not about food or language or rituals. We, we do get to enjoy that diversity, but that's not what it's about. The kingdom of God, the kingdom culture is about love and righteousness and justice and true worship. And Paul reminds us this in Romans 14, 17. So kingdom culture isn't just something we believe, it's not just something we preach, it's actually something we're meant to embody. We're meant to live in our homes and families, in our church, uh, and as an expression in society. One of the great joys I've had, particularly earlier in my life, it's been a while since I've... Uh, been on uh, overseas, beyond New Zealand anyway, unless you consider Queensland overseas, it almost is nowadays. My point is I've, I've had the joy of uh, worshipping and, and celebrating communion as we did this morning with Christians all over the world. There's so many things that could have bound us, uh, it could have um, divided us, but this one thing, Jesus binds us together and there's just this automatic gluing together when you go into a foreign culture and you meet other Christians, and particularly when you meet around the meal, it's like, boom, we're family. In this process of discipleship making, uh, disciple making, Jesus highlights baptism and uh, teaching. 
as requirements. Now, they're a big part of it, obviously, Jesus said, to do these things, but they're not the whole of it. Discipleship requires the kind of commitment and loyalty that is signaled and signified by baptism. The baptism of itself is not discipleship. Plenty of people get baptized but never go on to walk with Jesus. Obeying Jesus' teaching means we must know what he taught. But teaching in itself is not discipleship. Plenty of people have been to Bible college or to theological college or read the Bible, but they don't live it and they don't necessarily even believe it. Discipleship is seen in the way we live and the way we speak and in who we worship. It's seen in us becoming more like Jesus. So last week we saw that being a disciple is countercultural and uh, and that's going to bring us into conflict with other people. Multiculturalism is all good and well until you introduce some conflicting values. And then what do you do? Well, I guess you start to find out what's really a value deeply core to you and what's just a preference. And that's not a bad thing. As people who straddle cultures, and all of us, if we're Christians here today, we straddle cultures. Even if you were born in Australia, you straddle this Australian culture and this Christian culture. And some of you straddle multiple cultures because you've come into Australia. Perhaps you have a multicultural family. One of the things you have to do is, is when you straddle cultures is really be settled in your identity. And community and uh, relationships play a really important part in forming our identity. Uh, and particularly in a way that Western individualism often doesn't get. And the message is more and more as you go within to find your identity or your identity is, is, is found in some other part of you. But in a Christian sense, and I would suggest probably in the sense of most of the world, our identity is actually formed in our relationships. And it actually is in the West as well, but and that can lead us into huge struggles because we deny that. Fortunately for us, Jesus actually agrees with this. He says, remember, I am with you always. And perhaps he was reassuring the 11 disciples who thought they were about to lose their beloved master, or, or perhaps he was looking at disciples in Australia 2,000 years later who face all sorts of cultural pressure. But our identity isn't just formed by the pages on a book, but by the presence of Jesus with us. What a reassurance that is, that Jesus is with us. Not just the idea of Jesus, not just a pastor up the front preaching about Jesus, but Jesus himself is present with us always and so as we go in his authority to make disciples and uh, to live as disciples counterculturally we don't just go with some abstract idea of Jesus idea uh, of Jesus authority uh, or just the words in a book the one who has all power and all authority in heaven and on earth is with us, present 
among us, present in us by his Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7, Jesus said, It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus doesn't leave us to our own devices. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit makes Jesus uh, and his power present with us. When we get a hold of that reality and the experience of Jesus, then really nothing can stop us. So here's the challenge for us at Bentley. I want to try and tie this into our Kingdom Builders Month. Do we really understand the authority and the power that Jesus has given us? Do we understand what his presence means for us? And do we live in these realities? Do we really believe that Jesus has all power and all authority in heaven and on earth? That he sends his disciples, uh, or sends us as his disciples to make disciples of all nations? That he wants us to obey him in all things and that he will be with us always? Or is it just an idea? Just a religion. You know, religion is sort of put off to the side now, and we can buy into this sometimes. It's okay to be Christian, just don't impose your Christianity on me. Now, I said last week we shouldn't impose on other people, and we shouldn't. But you know it is impossible. It is not possible to live as a Christian only in the public sphere. As Christians, we have to, in some way, live out our faith in the public sphere because Jesus calls us to be transformed in every part of our lives. And I'm not saying that means you go and evangelize everyone all the time and everything. I'm talking about the way we live, the values we exhibit, the grace of God that we carry with us into the public space, the way we interact with people will come out if we're truly disciples of Jesus, because it has to. Because to not do that is to deny fundamentally who we are as new creation. So if we don't really believe, if we're not convinced, if we struggle with this to put wheels on it, here's the thing, the question to ask, is what do I need to do? And because this is a question I constantly have to ask myself as well, But what do we need to do to move into this reality? So I know that many of you, you don't want just to hear more talk about it. Um, At the end of the month, when we ask you to sacrificially give to missions, to God's kingdom, you want to do more than just promise money to our kingdom partners, although that does bring great joy in itself. You want to see God's power, and I want to see God's power being released to transform lives, to transform society, our community. We want His kingdom culture changing the world. Doesn't the world need it now? We want to see people becoming His disciples. So how do we take hold of this? And a little bit of me is going to cheat. And so I want—I really want to encourage you to talk about this in your 
small groups because this is where you're really going to be able to grapple with it and put wheels on it. But I will uh, suggest one small thing, although it's, a, it's not a small thing. I think it begins with faith. It begins with really believing this, internalizing it and being committed to this idea. Do we really believe these words about Jesus' authority and presence with us? If not, I join you in that struggle, but we have to ask ourselves, why not? What is stopping me? What do I need to do to move forward? Because, because this is where we want to get to. We want to get onto the solution side. Guilt never helps anything or anyone. What do we need to do to move to a posture of faith? Another question is, how does the promise of Christ's authority and presence with us change the way we pray for God's kingdom to come? Think about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus taught us to pray for that. How does, keeping in mind that he has all authority and that he is present with us, which means he's present in our world, how does that change the way we pray for God's kingdom to come? How does it change the way we spend our time and money and energy? How does it change the way we counterculturally relate to our friends and families and how we engage the world? How does it change the way we pray for our kingdom partners like Cosmos and Sarah from Living Childs here today and Andy and Rose and, and Jess and others? How does it change these things? So I want to leave that with you this morning. And, and as we go and consider this, may we know Christ's presence and authority among us in increasing measure. There's always somewhere deeper to go in God. May we go in his name to make disciples, whatever that looks like for us. And may we live obedient, and fearless lives as his people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace to us and your call to us. Father, we thank you for the promise that Jesus has made to us, that he is with us, and we thank you that he has sent us in that cosmic authority. Father, help us to internalize this, to make it part of our identity and to change the way we live and the way we relate to people fearlessly and with fearless love, but also committed to the truth that is in Jesus and that is Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen.